What's up? Jason Tatum here. Ball up wherever you are with NBA 2K Mobile. Playing game events to collect NBA legends and rising stars to assemble your dream team and settle things on the court. NBA 2K Mobile lets you put together your dream team with your favorite NBA legends and current GOATs. Download NBA 2K Mobile now on the App Store and Google Play. Monarch Legacy of Monsters, an Apple original series. The world is on fire. I decided to do something about it. On November 17th. This place, it's not ours. Believe me. The most massive event of the year arrives. If you come with me, you'll know everything, I promise. Oh my God, go, go, go! Monarch Legacy of Monsters, streaming November 17th, only on Apple TV+. What's going on, everyone? Casey Adams here. Welcome back to the Rise of the Young podcast. Today, we have Scott Keeney on the show. Scott Keeney, better known by his stage name DJ Ski, is an American artist, television host, radio personality, philanthropist, and entrepreneur. Ski rose to fame as the first DJ to discover and play superstar artists on the radio, including Kendrick Lamar, Justin Bieber, Akon, Lady Gaga, and many more. Mark Cuban has called Ski the Oprah of music. As a DJ, Ski has headlined festivals worldwide, hosted his own radio shows on Los Angeles' KISS FM and Cyrus XM Satellite Radio, and remixed music from various artists including Michael Jackson, Chris Cornell, and many more. Ski started in the music industry as a teenager and broke onto the scene working at Sony Loud Records and Universal. He has also represented brands including Google, Beats, Electronics, and AT&T on the marketing side. In 2015, Ski launched Dash Radio, which has become the biggest all-original digital radio broadcast network in the world with 75-plus stations powered by brands and artists and celebrities, including Kylie Jenner and Snoop Dogg and many more. His business portfolio includes interest in various other businesses as an entrepreneur, advisor, and investor. As a writer, Ski is a contributor for TechCrunch, Forbes, Inc., XXL Magazine, The Verge, and many other publications often posting thought leadership articles centered around entertainment and technology. That being said, I am very excited to say thank you so much, DJ Ski, for coming on the show. He is an absolute legend. Dash Radio raised $8.8 million back in 2018, and he has absolutely crushed it. And that being said, make sure you subscribe to the Rise of the Young podcast, share it with a friend, and enjoy the show. Casey Adams here. Welcome back to the Rise of the Young podcast. Today, we have Scott Keeney here with us, aka DJ Ski. Thanks so much for coming on, man. Of course, brother. What's going on? How are you feeling? I'm doing good, man. How are you? All is good, man. All is good. A little crazy, but actually just as busy as ever. For sure, man. So first things first, I'm a huge fan of Dash Radio, everything you have going on and everything you've built. I want to just give you a second to explain to the people that may not know, what is Dash Radio? 
So Dash is the evolution of, of live audio and live content. We're powered by live DJs, live hosts, real communities, fully curated and available to listeners for free. We really like look at the way that people consume audio in two buckets. There's the, the on-demand, which is what all the streaming services and even podcasts in essence are. And then there's like really lean back and highly curated, which is what we really excel in. And that's the place that, you know, terrestrial radio is always kind of owned. And we we're trying to, to really pave the way for that in the digital era. Got it. When did you start Dash Radio? Because I've been hearing about it these last two years, like crazy all over, but where is the origin story of Dash Radio? Yeah, we officially launched in June of 2015. And, um, you know, my background is terrestrial radio. I've been in radio since I was 16 and was at Sirius XM for 10 years at, at iHeart for seven years. And we just thought there being this big opportunity is radio still is the last form of media that's primarily consumed through an analog perspective. And it's still by, by, by a long shot is the, the number one way people hear audio is radio. It's free. It's thoughtless. It's built in. It's, it's in their cars on their commute. And, you know, those, those places haven't really been disrupted yet. And while, you know, the music business side of things has evolved and, and streaming services like Spotify have built an incredible product that, you know, really, you know, replaced what, what retail used to be and have and opened up a new industries. Um, the, the challenges that you face are they're still not, still not a live experience. It's still, um, you know, well, you have playlists and things. It's, you know, you arguably, if you hop in your car and you're commuting 40 minutes each day and you're listening to your favorite playlist, um, you're, it's going to become more repetitive than, you know, even regular radio is. And radio is great because it's, it's built into places. It's totally free. So everybody can participate. It's highly curated. And it's, it's how music still is, is primarily broken. And um, we just saw there being a big opportunity in the digital landscape is everybody to date it was just focused on, in essence, simulcasting FM and AM signals instead of, you know, creating something from the ground up, which is what we really did with Dash, creating all our stations. They're not simulcasts. They're all developed and ran in-house and creating this premium audio experience focused exclusively on like the next wave of digital platforms. Love that. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm fascinated because I, I saw back in 2018, you guys raised $8.8 million. How has you know, the last two years been since that, you know, that raise, because I saw, like I just said, the, the campaign everywhere and the, the PR and I was like, oh yeah, they, they're about to come in here and really revolutionize this whole space. So how has it been these last two years with that initial raise? It's been great. I mean, for us, the interesting thing is we haven't spent a dollar on marketing or user acquisition or, or anything. It's all been, it's all happened organically. And that's how we think that it happens, you know, best while we've raised a decent amount of money, it still pales in comparison to the amount of content that we do and what's, what's out there in the market, especially to competitors. I mean, you're seeing services, not that they're a competitor at all, but like content companies like Quibi raise, you know, one point to get into and we've really figured a way to do it efficiently and in a way that really works for all sides and can keep us lean and mean so with us you know it's you know beyond the money we were what i was really most excited about was adding just such a great roster and a team to our board and an investor list that has become so helpful and so instrumental in, in building what we are with dash um it's it's really incredible seeing you know some of the names that we have in, in the room and you know being in our boardroom with some of the most experienced people in in the in the entire space and, and landscape and, and learning from them. So that's really what's been, you know, most exciting for me about that. I love that. And I, I want to read off real quick. It says, you know, the platform includes partner stations curated by Stoop Dog, Kylie Jenner, Lil Wayne, and all these people that I could go on and on just what I've done my research on. But 
when it comes to those strategic partnerships and, you know, the collaborations with those A-list type of names, how has that impacted the brand and the business? And how do you recommend other people who have, you know, are looking to get those names involved with their company? How have you done that so well? For sure. For us, I mean, it was creating a product where there was a need in the market, right? There was no other way for, for, for brands and consumers and talent to really engage with, with live audio and music, which, you know, there's a ton that has, that goes on with licensing rights. Um, beyond that, you have to get distribution and audience. It's not just as easy. It's not something that's easy to do do yourself. And, you know, our top talent, all those people, like most of those people approached us directly um, just because there was nothing else else out there like that. So it's creating a product that provides value. We, you know, we're, again, while we've raised money, it's not enough to attract all those celebrity names. We don't pay, pay anybody. We've created it. You know, we're, we're not in the game of endorsements or sponsorships just because we, we don't think that it's sustainable and we're not going to, going to outspend any, any competitors that we have in the space. So we've really focused on building a product that naturally works for everybody and giving them a solution on, on the back end that, uh, you know, makes it makes the most sense to them. So it's really thinking of putting the talent consumers and building the product first. Got it. Very cool. I, I want to take it back. So you said you were at iHeartRadio for seven years and um, Sirius XM for 10. Is that correct? Yep. Yep. Where did your passion for just radio come from at a young age? And how did you get into the space initially? I always loved radio as a kid. I mean, my grandmother did radio, my mother did radio. So it was kind of in my, in my blood. And, uh, you know, as soon as I started DJing when I was a teenager, I knew that that's what I was going to do. When I was 16 and, and in Minneapolis, I started on a small community station out there doing, you know, 4 a.m. shift on a Saturday night with maybe two listeners and just fell in love and, and ended up working my way to being on the biggest station in the country. So like, um, it was just something that, you know, as soon as I, once I found my passion, I just went all in on it, knew that you know, that's, that's what I wanted to do and where I was going to be. Very cool. Where did DJ Ski come from, the name? Uh, just from my le- first, from my first and last name. Okay. Just if you combine the, the first yeah. letter and the last name, yeah. I got it. Very cool, very cool. Did you ever, like, growing up, did you go to college or how did that look? No, I got, I got the opportunity when I was 17. Um, where I got connected with Steve Rifkin, who was the CEO of Loud and under Sony Records then at the time, and um, sent him a letter on what he was doing wrong after I'd built with him. And he loved it so much, he offered me a job on the spot. So I actually wow. figured a way to graduate high school a year early um, and had never been to LA, packed, it, packed a U-Haul, drove across the country, and the rest is history. Yeah. Okay. So, so I was planning. I was planning on it, but yeah. Right. So you moved to LA right when you were like seventeen, eighteen. Still a teenager. Yep. Exactly. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. How has being in LA just impacted your life? Like, would you ever leave, or is that the place you're going to continue to be long term? I mean, LA is great. It's not what I initially planned on. And originally, I was moving to New York, and that's where and, and then nine eleven happened. So Steve actually. Um, ended up wanting me to be in LA because he was by coastal, but his family was here. So he ended up spending more time here. It's one of those world changing events like we've seen right now, what's going on, right? And um, so I didn't really expect it, but in, in retrospect, it was the best thing that could happen to me because it's how I made it on the, the mixtape side and DJ side was a lot more open than it would have been in New York. And I really made my, you know, stake my claim here and, and LA is home and, and love it, right? Like, so I've been here for, for you know, 19 years now, almost. So it's, uh, or 18, 19 years now. So it's, uh, it's, it's definitely my, my home. And you like, look, you never know, you never say never, um, yeah. to getting out, but you know, it's, it's the center of the, 
the entertainment, the tech, like where it's the convergence of all these things that are happening right now is in LA. So, you know, it's, it's the perfect place for me to be. Very cool. Regarding, cause just, I, I follow you on Instagram, right? And you have ski sports that I know you're a part of and you've, you know, that you've created. What is that for people that may not know? We really bridge with ski sports. We really bridge the gap between sports and entertainment. We're not trying to be a sports media news company. We're focused more on the, the lifestyle and the, the off the field things. We do everything from it started on as a segment on ski TV where it was just us when athletes were in town, they'd come to the studio and we create content with them or we'd go visit their cribs and do cool things. And from there it evolved into us actually powering entertainment for pro sports teams and leagues ranging from like Minnesota Vikings to Ice Cube's Big Three, working with the yeah. NBA, MLB, MLS, and really bridging the gap, whether it's, you know, helping them. Like in Minnesota, we built an incredible DJ booth. I'll go out there and DJ before the games. We turn it into like a festival style atmosphere. We'll create a ton of content with the players where it's not, you know, sports, you know, we're not going to get and try to compete with ESPN and sports news. There's enough of that out there, but we'll go and talk to them about music and cars and clothes and fashion and kicks and what they're listening to and what they're watching and creating these really cool moments that help build these these players for, for them and their brands and for the teams that give them new touch points to reach fans and um, as well as interact with their players so it's everything from helping them book talent helping them structure the the in arena experience um, like with the big three you'll see us do everything from every sound that you hear from the arena speakers is coming from us in, in essence we're helping book all the talent programming and things for that to um, helping with social media and overall brand strategies for a lot of the teams and leagues got it very good i, I didn't know that it's so sick yeah it's great it's fun i'm just a big sports fan so i just yeah, love yeah, have yeah. an excuse to to be in the you know be on the sideline at all these games yeah no, I, I always post it up i'm like that's what's up <laughs> yeah has the coronavirus and everything happening now have made an impact on your business or how has that looked? Because I know it's obviously a topic of discussion everywhere. How has that impacted your business, but also your daily life, especially being in LA? Totally on the business side. I mean, I think it's affected everybody's stuff for us. You know, we, we, you know, we just did opened up a brand new 25,000 square foot, incredible venue in Los Angeles with retail, with, uh, performance venues, sound stages, et cetera, um, and had a lot of projects in the work there that are, are now just kind of on pause as, as the world shuts down. But on the other hand, um, our core value and our core product has always been radio and these live communities and live DJs and people listening and lean back, you know, devices. And that's actually excelled. We're seeing listener numbers higher than, than ever. And we think that, you know, it's, you know, now is the, the, the perfect apex. All the things that we've building is now really coming to fruition. So, well, obviously it's tragic what's happening in the world on the business side we have to evolve and move and our core product we're lucky that it fits really well into people staying at home and you know even you know wanting to hear more and connect with communities and engage um, we've also launched a whole like video live stream series where we've had already over 40 artists on over the past few weeks um, we launched a new partnership with twitch where we're streaming daily from there and have a lot of really cool things coming on that we're going to continue going once this is done we're almost utilizing this as a test ground to test a lot of things we're getting a lot of learnings that we're going to take and expand once we you know once the once things start you know coming back and getting back to normal and we open our facilities and you know instead of doing live streams for people base people's basements we'll have this we already have this incredible state-of-the-art studio that's built specifically for that and it works really well to the way that you know 
it's going to take a while, I think, until you see big crowds back together. So I think that it's going to work really well the way that we have our setup. So um, we're, you know, from a business perspective, we're incredibly bullish on where we are right now. We're, we're one of those lucky companies that was, you know, is, is built for, you know, moments like this. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. How is it out there in LA just based off of like the, the current day to day? Is it still locked down pretty hard just in there or how are you experiencing it personally? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, everybody's staying at home for the most part. And, you know, if not, they should be like, right. Like that's the, uh, and keeping their distance if they go out. We, I mean, LA and, you know, our governor Newsom and, and Mayor Garcetti have been great with um, the regulations and the lockdown that they've put on before a lot of um, other states and other people were doing it. They've been very aggressive with it in terms of cutting the curve. So they've done a great job here in, in the state. And, you know, it's, it's, yeah, you know, for me, I tried to keep as, as normal a schedule as possible. I'm not, you know, it's easy to get tempted, you know, not work out, stay up late playing, like stay up all night playing video games, you know, but for me, I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to stick to a normal schedule. I'm still up and going to sleep and uh, waking up at the same time. My days are as busy as ever. It's just calls instead of in person. Yep. meetings now and uh you know i've tried to keep that normalcy of working out eating right healthy and you know not too much has changed outside of you know instead of running around and traveling and jumping into meetings and doing that it's all all happening from home very cool do you guys do anything in the just like the podcast world or what does that look like we haven't really done anything in the podcast space we're, we're starting to syndicate some of our shows as podcasts because in essence like you know a radio show can be cut up as a on-demand podcast but we've really focused on the live audio space however we are starting to look and develop and creating different things in that realm from radio shows that we have and just utilizing it as another touch point distribution uh platform in yeah, the future yeah. totally no I'm, I'm i'm curious because i know like you having so much experience in radio and just everything in that world what is your thoughts on podcasting on the way it's grown as a community these last couple of years I think it's great. I mean, I, we look at, again, podcasting, I look at the same as almost like what's happened to music with streaming, right? It's been, uh, it's been the, this opportunity for people, if they know what they want to hear, they have, they have these great fans, they can, you know, go, go listen. And it's a great kind of experience in your headphones while you're driving, while you're, you know, at home running around, but you don't want to watch a video um, of something or, or working or putting on. It's, it's a great, great, great experience for that. It's really, you know, evolved what AM FM radio is. And we think that they, they work hand in hand, right? Like if you know what you want to hear, go download a podcast. If you just yep. want to hear like latest news or sports things, you just turn on the radio. We think there's both room for both in the ecosystem. Very cool. I, um, I wanted to bring up, you have a StockX in your bio. Are you affiliated with them or is that just sneaker guy? <laughs> yeah, no, I was one of the first investors in StockX. We've worked with them since day zero before it was even named. Um, all those guys. And, you know, we, we actually have our StockX court at the Dash headquarters. So that's a, it's a great relationship. And it's been so awesome watching, watching what Josh and those guys, Dan and everybody's built over there. That's sick. I met Josh once when I was with D at the uh, Shopify event, but I did not know that. That's super tight. So you, you, when, when it comes to an investment side of things, do you also look at early stage companies or how are you, as an entrepreneur, how are you, you know, building your company, spending time investing in companies and what does that look like in your life? 
Absolutely. For me, you know, it's another, you know, natural kind of evolution and things. I try to work with companies that, that make sense and that are core to my true value and that um, I, I believe that I can add value to. And luckily, oh, you know, through my work in, in the industry over the years, it's given me this great access to get involved with a lot of these people early on. And um, so for me, it's, it's definitely um, something that I'm passionate about. I love helping others and giving them my guidance and seeing what's worked. And, and you know, my, if you look at my even history in the audio side, right, it's always like I've enjoyed and had my, my success from being first on you know introducing certain artists to the world and different products so it's it's really no different now on the on the business side so um you know it's it's i'm looking at expanding that to, to doing more there because we've i've been lucky enough to have some some big wins on that side but um for me it's still uh you know kind of a fun like little side thing that i'm, that I'm doing and you know we've a roster of probably about 10 companies now that i'm involved in got it very cool What's your advice to a young entrepreneur that's starting their first company with the experience you have today? Um, you just got to go out and do it. Don't be afraid. I mean, you got to make calculated risks and everything and take, and also to take into account, like learn as much as you can do as much research, take as much advice from others, but your path is going to be unique just because I tell you, Hey, this is how I did it. And this is what worked. Doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Definitely take that into account and think on learning lessons, but you're going to have to make those decisions on your own. So don't be afraid to just step up and, um, and follow your gut. Oftentimes, even if it's counter to what other people have said, um, if you think it's really the right move, because you know you'll you'll learn more from failures as well, so be be willing to adapt to that stuff. But uh, just go out. You know the toughest thing is going out and, and just doing it. Love that. And I, I'm curious because you know you've had experience with raising capital. If someone's you know already has their idea or they have a business but they're looking to raise capital, what's your advice on not only raising capital but when do you believe a company should? And what's your advice there, just in that world of raising capital? It all depends, right? Like there's certain companies where you don't need to. And if you don't need to, there's no point to do it. You don't want to do it just to do it. You have to be really strategic with it. And you have to show value and you have to have, you know, if people are going to give you money, you have to have them, you have to have it really thought out. You have to have some level of experience or expertise in there or some clear pathway. You really need to be buttoned up before you go out and do it. It's not just like, oh, I have this idea. Let me put this together in a couple of days and go raise money and stuff. And, and, you know, don't do it if you don't need to. There's plenty of businesses that don't necessarily you know, need it. And sometimes it can be a crutch. I mean, we've seen what's happened with some of these big, uh, huge raises over the past few years that are, you know, have, have prioritized growth above profits or anything at all costs. And right now in this downturn, there's a lot of companies struggling, right? We were lucky on the dash side where we never raised a tremendous amount of money. So when we're able to withstand, you know, handle these, these kind of setbacks that happen to everybody versus, you know, being so dependent on that money coming in that like once it stops, you're, you're dead and you're, you're just such a high burn. We've yeah. been very conservative with, with, you know, what we spend and, and how we spend that and allocate our resources. Very cool. How have you gone about building, you know, team culture and just everything internally? Because I'm fascinated by just, you know, leadership and the culture that you've built. It's super dope. It's, like everything I see on social, which is like, hell yeah, whenever I'm back in LA, I got to stop by the, the spot. It's just, of course you do. That culture. And how, how did you build that from, you know, the ground up? That's what it's all about. Well, two things. One for, for us on the company side with like our artists and talent, like we always say we can't compete with dollars. There's again, media companies with billions of dollars behind them. There's radio companies that have been around for forever, right? Like for hundreds of, you know, almost a hundred years, you know, and um, we're not going to compete in dollars with them. But we, what we do compete with is culture. Like, right? Like we have a state-of-the-art facility that's really cool. We understand artists. Our secret sauce is 
we understand talent and how to work with them and integrate them and offer them value as well as doing there's two types of things artists do one are things that they kind of have to do or that they're paid to and then the other things is what they do is to build their brand and we always try to compete in culture not in dollars and that's why we have our the facilities that we do that's why we work with artists and talent the way that we do we try to really you know speak to them in their own language um from an internal company perspective it's always a challenge when you're building a company right like it's it's everybody always says it but you ignore it until you start hitting um scale and certain sizes but it's everything right like you have to keep everybody aligned it's easy when you're just doing it yourself and just with a few people but when you start adding headcount getting all these different people in there you know it's you have to continually to convey the message, the goal, the vision of what you're doing, of where you're going, of what you want everybody doing and keeping everybody aligned because, you know, you can't do everything anymore and you need to get everybody else working and doing that for you. So it's, it's you know, I, I always took it for granted until you start building it up. But that's one of the key, the biggest, biggest things that you'll see. Very cool. How big is the team now at, uh, at Dash? Right now we have 450 DJs. Like, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, uh, you know, We've got a, a big roster of, of talent on board and stuff internally, you know, we're, we're still like a smaller headcount from that. We're around, you know, we only have like around 30 something people managing that, but um, it's, you know, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen right now, which is uh -huh. great. It's great to have all these different berries, you know, ideas and personalities and people here. Yeah, for sure, man. What does your day look like? Just, you know, having this, the team, the culture and everything happening from the retail location to the radio network itself. Where do you spend your time on a daily basis? I mean, no two days are alike, right? It's just moving and adjusting to whatever needs to happen, running the company and making sure everybody else is in the position so they can go out and, and execute and, and handle all of those divisions. So there's really no two days that are the same. Got it. That, that makes sense. Do you have any like daily habits that you have built into your life? You just got to make sure you got to make sure you take care of your body, right? Like you got to, you know, make sure you get enough sleep, eat right work out like those things are key for for both mental and physical health so i've just really made made sure that i you know i'm, I'm trying to you know take care of myself in all of those ways because it affects your performance all the way across got it do you have a moment where just like along your journey because i know you you're connected with some of the most amazing not only people but talented artists do you have a a story that you could share that you know, is there something that along your journey has stuck out to you that has taught you a lesson? And if so, who would that be with? Hmm. I mean, there's been so many of them, but it's really, you know, surrounding yourself with others and, and putting yourself in rooms with people more successful than you and learning from them and, and being a fly on the wall and um, being getting out of your comfort zone, right? Like that's where I've always had my best success and built my, built the relationships that have helped me get to where I am today. I'm lucky to have I've had great mentors and great people around me that have helped build this business in my career and, uh, and just leaning into them and, and, and uh, you know, trying to, uh, you know, just be a fly on the wall and learn from, from those that have done it and that have, you know, had a lot of success. Got it. Totally. I have like two more questions before we wrap up here. Just yeah. regarding, I know that just for example, your, your relationship with Nipsey Hussle and everything you talk about him, I've been following, following you closely. And I believe that there's a story and a lesson that I'd love to ask you. And that is what would be one of the biggest takeaways and lessons that you've learned from Nipsey while he was here? Um, for him, it was always, you know, staying true to what his vision was. He, he oftentimes would turn down, 
you know, short-term gains and opportunities because it didn't align with exactly what he wanted to do. He gave up, you know, a lot of what could have been short-term kind of easy success in order to build legacy and build his brand. And that came out when he passed away, right? Like it was as big an impact. It was bigger an impact than any rapper I, I, I remember. I mean, it has to be like, you know, as big in terms of a cultural and from a street perspective is when like Tupac and Biggie passed away, right? Like the way that the streets reacted. I've never seen anybody, especially if you look at like, just from a pure number perspective, he didn't have the numbers on like the charts or sales metrics that other artists have had that even passed away. But the impact that he had on culture is so much more profound and so much bigger. And that's because of what he did. It really reinforced to me that that's the way to do it. It's about doing those right things because that's what people really care about. Even if it doesn't show up on the, the short-term stat sheets, it's, um, it's, it's more powerful than just, than just numbers and music. And he always was, was about you know, staying true to, to what that vision was. Love that. I, um, last thing, just, you know, if there's anyone out there that's listening that is a DJ or wants to be a DJ for a career-wise, what advice do you give them? Um, I think just go out and do it, right? Find your unique path. Don't just try to copy what others are doing. Learn from them and stuff. And But but find what's unique in your space and don't let anything hold you back. If, if I can do it as a kid, in essence, from Minneapolis, there's no reason you can't. Yeah, yeah. Love that, man. Well, Scott, I really appreciate the time today, man. I just want to give you the, an opportunity to tell people where they can follow everything you're doing at Dash Radio. Absolutely. Everything just, you know, check us out. DJSki.com, Dash Radio on social. My stuff is all DJSki. And yeah, check us out, Dash. We have 50 platforms, Sonos, et cetera. You name it. Anywhere that you listen to audio from Amazon Alexas to devices, we, we think we have the best kind of lean back audio product in the world totally free no commercials so so go check it out love that man so that being said i really appreciate you coming on today when i'm back in la i'll make sure to swing by yeah you gotta come through it looks so sick and the grand opening looks epic man so that being said thanks so much for coming on the show man i'll talk to you soon you're the man thank you brother Legacy of Monsters, an Apple original series. The world is on fire. I decided to do something about it. On November 17th. This place, it's not ours. Believe me. The most massive event of the year arrives. If you come with me, you'll know everything, I promise. Oh my God, go, go, go! Monarch, Legacy of Monsters. Streaming November 17th, only on Apple TV+. Plus.